On today's episode, what is an ideal step width to avoid injury? Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Do 182 episodes. I need to start thinking about what I should do for episode number 200. If you have any ideas, let me know. I, I had on episode 100, I did a bit of a recap or my favorite moments for the first 100 episodes. I wonder if I should do it between 100 and 200. Anyway, um, just my thoughts. Welcome to today's episode. Um, thanks for joining me today. We're going to talk about what is an ideal step width when it comes to avoiding injury or preventing injuries. Um, the episode topic, the idea came about when I was um, producing some content. I'm not sure if it was a blog or if it was a podcast episode, but someone mentioned, okay, well, how do I know if I should change my step width? How do I know if it needs to increase? What is the ideal range that I should be um, aiming for. And <clears throat> that's what got me into kind of today's question. But before I delve into that, delve into my thoughts and my answer, you might be, a lot of you might be wondering what is step width or, um, what kind of analogies do we have to best understand it? So I have some, a, a few things written down. Um, first of all, why is it important? That sort of thing. Um, what is step width? So let's imagine someone, a runner is running on a treadmill and you have a painted line about the size of a palm of your hand, just painted down the very middle of the treadmill. When you step right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, it's placed differently on the, the treadmill itself and where it falls in relation to that white line, that white painted line straight down the middle of the belt so if you have a narrow step width, your right foot, left foot is closer to that painted line. Sometimes it's directly on top of that painted line. And that's like, it's almost like a tandem kind of running. Um, some people have a crossover gait pattern. So their right foot actually makes contact more onto the left-hand side of that uh, white line compared to... Um, and vice versa, I guess you could say. So some people have wide step widths where they might not even make contact with that painted line. They might Their right foot might just be clear of that on the right-hand side. Their left foot might just be clear of that painted line on the left-hand side. And some have a little bit of a mixture in between, but you can get extremely narrow and then you can get a crossover. So hope that made sense. 
why is step width important? I guess um, it just puts different loads on your body. It generates different angles, different torques, different requirements for certain parts of the body because there is such of like a cutting sort of action and it can be linked. I'm not, the research hasn't shown that it can be linked to injuries. Um, but I, well, I guess the research has shown around hip adduction can link to injuries. If we talk about, um, Chris Brammer and his work, which could, um, narrow your step width. Anyway, um, I have seen people that are certain are prone to certain types of injuries or do develop types of injuries if they do have a narrow or a crossover step width. And that being, especially for females, lateral hip pain, so hip pain on the outside, um, ITB strains, ITB friction syndromes. Um, there is research to show that the more narrow your step width is, the more load or the more strain is created through the ITB. So there, you could assume that there'd be a link there if there was a a training error, like if you did too much too soon and you also have a narrow step width, the ITB is probably going to be the first structure to start producing pain. And so ITB strain, lateral hip pain and shin splints. So shin splints is definitely one linked to this particular characteristic that I have seen um, just because of the torque that is generated because of that cutting action, um, the calf muscle pulls on the back of the shin bone at a different angle and can stir it up. That's just what I've seen in, in working with runners. And um, it's something that I've corrected in the past, like um, my Pez Anserine, the tendon at the back of my knee that I had for years. And I've had an episode on how I overcame that. Um, I actually increased my step width because I found just purely through trial and error and a little bit of I kind of hypothesized a little bit, a bit of a theory that if I widened my step width, I would uh, reduce the load on that tendon and it felt a lot better as soon as I widened my step width. Um, I should know, I should mention as well, in the past, I had a really narrow, almost a crossover, but very narrow step width, which I was fine with because I didn't get injured. But then once I was injured and facing a chronic injury, I thought maybe making the correction would be, um, would be worth it. And turns out it was, and I have now kept adopt, I've adopted that wider step width. Don't even think about it anymore, but that's just how I run now. And I can see that the tread, the wear and tear on the bottom of my shoes is a lot different compared to what it used to be when I was having that narrow kind of strike. So, um, let's be clear. Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes. So fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. Bit of clarification here. Um, you're fine. Like if you have a narrow step width or if you have a crossover step width, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, sprinters like track athletes have a narrow step width. They do it all the time. Um, so there's nothing wrong with it. But if, first of all, if it's accompanied with a training error, doing too much too soon, it might tip you over the edge. Um, but particularly like sprinters or track athletes running around a bend, they have to have a narrow step width. They can't 
maintain a wide step width and run effectively around a bend. And so it is, the body will adapt to it if that is your running style. Um, the cuff will get strong enough. The ITB will get strong enough. The body will just adapt as long as you foster the right um, environment for it to, to adapt and get stronger. And so very important that we just clear that. Um, however, I do have that analogy, that tightrope walker analogy, which I'll go through it again. Um, if you can imagine a tightrope walker walking across like a chasm and they've got this um, this rope in that they have to walk across and they've got that balance beam that they have, um, I suspect, well, if we, in this analogy, if you were to fall off that rope, that counts as an injury <clears throat> and your the wind, the conditions are your training. If we don't want to fall off, we want to prevent that um we want to have a stable base. We want to try and make our base as stable as we can rather than having a rope. Maybe we have a beam and we try and make that beam as wide as we can. In this analogy, if you adopt certain characteristics, so if you have a low cadence, if you have a crossover step width, if you have um, a few other things, let's say um, a poor kind of posture. What does Chris Brammer say? Um, pointing your toes too high up before you strike the ground, um, having a contralateral hip drop, all these sort of things the body can adapt to if you foster enough, if you foster it enough to adapt. But adopting those characteristics isn't perfect and it's just narrowing your beam that you are trying to walk across as a tightrope walker. If you have, um, you can imagine that if the, the beam itself is really narrow, then any kind of wind, any kind of gust that blows, it's more likely to tip you over the edge than if you have a wider beam or if the wind was lesser. But we know for a lot of runners, the training that they have, they want to train at high volumes. They want to continuously um, increase their running volume in most cases. And so might pay if you're constantly getting injured it might pay to change some of the characteristics to have a wider beam um, so that you can train at higher amounts and still feel a bit secure whereas if you're coming back to this narrow step width i hope this analogy made sense made sense in my head um, if you have a narrow step width or a crossover step width you can still adapt but less of a buffer to tip you over into an injury i hope that makes sense so, um, when someone, I can't even remember who it was, but when someone asked this question of this, what is the ideal step width? My first, uh, my first answer, my first inclination was, I don't know. I don't know what the ideal step width is. So I pondered on it for a second or a couple of minutes and thought, okay, there's no research that I've found that's come across it, nor do I believe that there ever would be because it's, it's very hard to distinguish. Um, and it's still worth pondering about and it's still worth discussing the actual topic. Um, so I thought I might write down my answer, like write down my thoughts and share it with you guys. And so let's dive in. Okay. So um, to answer, okay, is there an ideal step width? I'd say no, there is no ideal step width um, for every runner. And it made me think about like the topic around cadence. 
we used to think, okay, especially when I graduated, they said 180 is the perfect number that every runner should follow if they want to have a nice, efficient stride, a nice, efficient running technique. Um, so everyone should be striving for that 180. We now know that's not true. There's a lot of evidence around cadence, around efficiency and what an ideal range is for someone. Um, but we know that there's no perfect one number to suit everyone. We know runners who are tall with very lanky legs. We know that their ideal cadence is a little bit lower than someone who's a bit shorter and can tick their legs over a bit quicker. We do like to follow a specific range though. We like to recommend a certain range. And while there's no perfect number, there is an imperfect range that you can be out of. So anyone, I, I like to say for most runners, the vast majority of runners, someone that is below a cadence of 160, um, maybe 165, they're better off improving or increasing their cadence in order to improve their running efficiency, in order to reduce their risk of injury. Makes sense in my mind. Um, so when I talk to runners, I say between 165 and 185 is nice to be at. Um, but you can, I know I've seen runners that have been successful outside of that range. I've had runners be around 160 or 158 and they don't get injured. They don't break down. Uh, it's rare, but it happens just because like coming back to our tightrope analogy, um, you can still foster enough environment you can train smart enough you can train gradual enough that the body just slowly adapts to whatever running technique you adopt and it would just be fine and if we follow that tightrope analogy some people are just really good tightrope walkers they can have a thin line they can have a really skinny rope and they can train um, with gusts of wind and they don't break down they're just really good at tightrope walking um same with people with low cadence, same with people with a narrow step width or a crossover step width. They can be very successful. Um, but do you want to continue training or ramp up with a very skinny tightrope rope? Or would you prefer a wider kind of beam? And so particularly, uh, especially if you're breaking down with injuries, it's definitely worth considering if you do have this narrow crossover kind of step width. Um, so if we go back to this um, treadmill, if we go back to this painted line, we imagine it's important to know that the painted line is probably about a palm width. So if it's a palm width, then we've got a, um, a bit to work with. And my, if I'm looking at a runner, if I'm assessing their treadmill running analysis um, and I have a look and if they're dealing with shin splints and I say, want to have a look at their cadence, want to have a look at their step width. Um, if they are, so let's imagine that painted line again. If their right foot is planted on the ground where half of that right foot is on that painted line and half of their right foot is off to the right of that painted line, that's a pretty good uh, range to be in. I'd say that's, that's um, quite average slash ideal for a lot of runners. Obviously, vice versa, if that left foot makes contact with the line, half of that left foot should be on that painted line. Half of the left foot should be off to the left of that line. And I guess anywhere slightly wider than that is also 
pretty acceptable in my mind. You can't get too wide. Once you start getting too wide, it becomes less efficient and you're sort of working hard to kind of move back and forth. And so this is just what I found. Like I said, it's no research. This is just my opinion. This is what I think is acceptable, like a really recommended range, similar to cadence, just a recommended range that um, I have for people. So if it's, if you find, if you try this yourself and you find that you do have a narrow step width or you do find you have a crossover step width and you're not breaking down with injuries, don't change it. You don't need to change it. There's an, I, w- I wouldn't recommend it um, if, if you're not breaking down, why change something that isn't broken? So you can continue with that. Um, the body's adapted to your style of running, so feel free to continue. Um, if you do have a narrow step width and you're getting injured, perhaps it's worth changing. We want to have a look at your training errors in the past. We want to have a look at your strength. We want to have a look at any of these missing pieces. Um, have a look at your cadence, but you know it's probably worth changing. How do we change it? What what needs to be done? And this is a discussion that I, I constantly have with my runners who do want to change. I say this all the time. If you were to be told, just like the verbal cue, just try and step just try and increase your step width. Almost everyone that I've come across that has done it like in front of me has overdone it. They've gone way too wide. They're jumping from side to side and they're just, um, they're just bouncing. It's so inefficient. You, you see their head actually moving from left to right. It's um, they've just overcorrected themselves. And what I like to explain to them is that it, it is such a subtle difference. Like if we imagine that, that painted line, and you make contact directly on that line. And then we tell you to widen your step width so that half of your foot is on the painted line and half of it is off to the side. That is only, you know, if I'm looking at my hand in front of me, that's only maybe two inches, three inches in difference. So very, very subtle. And sometimes only just an inch is enough to improve the mechanics to um, tick this over, this injury over into recovery. And just putting word of warning, just if you decide to increase your step width, a lot of people just overcorrect themselves. This needs to be extremely subtle. There are a couple of other cues I like to use, um, particularly if, particularly with females, if they say that they have, um, they feel like their knees are brushing together. They, they can actually feel their knees contacting each other when they're running. I say, all right, so let's just increase it just enough that the knees don't touch. And then that's usually enough to, um, that's usually that two inch correction, which um, people make. Other cueing, sometimes I see people, if their step width is quite narrow, um, especially if they run on trails and the trails get quite muddy, they get these scuff marks on the inside of their calf because they've um, planted their foot in the midlines or maybe a crossover and then that trailing leg, that swinging leg, doesn't really have any clearance, doesn't have anywhere to go. And so the inside of that foot scrapes or brushes across the inside of that calf. And if it's it's very well pronounced if you are running on trails and you've just got mud marks on the inside of your calves. Um, so you could say like, you know, just increase your step width just enough so your um, foot doesn't make contact with your calf. I used to get it when I had that really narrow step width back in back in the day and now I, I don't get them anymore unless I stumble or trip or something. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, it's, I guess that's direct evidence because some people might not know that they have a narrow step width and it's only until they see those scuff marks that, um, yeah, the pieces of the puzzle start to, to come together. Um, so yeah, I guess verbally verbal cues, or you can use visualization. You can look at yourself on a mirror. You can record yourself running on a treadmill, um, film on like your phone and then make the change and see if there's much difference. Once you go back and revisit that, that video, uh, see what you can even just paint a line down your treadmill and see, um, what the difference is. But sometimes I like to just freeze frame, pause it, and then just have a direct line from the middle of your hips straight down to the ground and just see what the relation is. Um, so you can, can make those if you are a bit confused, if you are a bit unsure, then you can always just go to a health professional to have a look. Um, so that's a way you can change. Another way you can change, especially if you have a really low cadence is increasing your cadence, <laughs> increase it by five to 10% and then see what happens to your step width, particularly if you're struggling to internally process or like just trying to feel your body of how to actually make a, a wider step width. If your cadence is quite low, so around like the 160 to 165, increasing your cadence will increase your step width, widen your step width more naturally because you simply, because you have to take shorter, faster steps with your cadence, you simply don't have enough time to reach over the body and make contact. You have to just quickly plant the foot to quickly plant the other and tick them over a lot quicker. So you simply just don't have the time and your body will naturally start to correct into, um, I guess, avoiding that crossover narrow type of step width. So um, that's just what I have. If you have been dealing with shin splints, if you have been dealing with like lateral hip pain or ITB strains constantly, it is something to investigate, um, especially if someone hasn't really looked at your cadence or looked at your step width, have a look yourself. Um, the last couple of success stories that I've um, had were ITB related and what those people did was just increase their cadence and it worked wonders for them. And so that would be partly because, okay, increasing cadence just naturally makes your running more efficient, but then also increasing your cadence narrows, uh, makes you avoid that step width. So, um, I guess, do I do a bit of a recap? <laughs> There's like one pure, simple message here. Um, so it might not be that might not be worth the, the going over the content. It is a quicker episode as well. I just thought I'd, it'd be a nice episode to at least direct people to if they do ask this question, um, especially if I find or assess a runner in the future or, um, you know, if someone just has a query and you can have a look at their narrow step width, just direct them to the podcast. I, I do that with all my runners during these injury chats, like help them out with finding certain podcast episodes they're interested in. So, Hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'll wrap all this up. And remember, every new insight brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough. And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn, but implement these lessons who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, 
who are looking for evidence-based long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path.